We know that better is here and better is coming, yet some of us have traded off our better to please people or to please our fleshly or carnal desires. It's those times we need a we need a victory over the enemy and the enemy, but we but we need a guaranteed victory. You're now in June to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. I want to begin today's message with a situation that the children of Israel also known as God's people, had found themselves in. This predicament had everything to do with their lack of obedience to the voice of God. In fact, the book of Judges, where we'll be dealing, coming from today, deals with several times in Israel's history where the children of Israel, God's people, would miss the mark and be led astray from God. In this particular book of Judges, there were 12 judges that, uh, 12 judges that God used at this particular time. Some of the ones that you probably are familiar with are Samson and Deborah. Now, we're all, today we're going to be looking at Gideon. Now, as believers, we have to be careful we don't find ourselves strand away from what we know to be true in God's written and revealed word. It happens in big ways, but also in small ways. Nonetheless, Jesus is still our deliverer. He's our rescuer, and he is our protector. So the children of Israel are in a situation, and they are going through what we call a fiery, hot trial. And some of us know what it's like to be in a fiery, hot trial. It takes the hand of God to overcome this situation and bring about victory. And victory can be defined as the act of defeating an opponent. When we think of the word victory, words like achievement, advantage, defeat, and triumph may come to mind. The opposite of victory is failure, loss, and a mindset of weakness and inferiority. At times, we may do things in our own might and gain the victory, and that those times we have a 50-50 chance on whether or not we walk away with a win depending on our opponent. Depending on who is challenging us, our skills, our intellect, and our ability may cause us to have the upper hand. Being in ministry for 27 years with the name Overcomers Christian Center, we we have experienced a number of oppositions, opponents, as well as obstacles along the way. Yet we've seen a number of victories, accomplishments, lives changed despite the challenges that we've dealt with. And I like Psalms 34, 19. Let's go Psalms 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions, unpleasant and distressful and adverse things that happen to righteous people, righteous people, those who are in right standing with God. But the Lord delivers, he snatches, he rescues, and he saves us out of each and every one of them. 
In fact, if you're in something right now, you know there's a time God's going to deliver you out of it. Whatever you're dealing with today, God is going to deliver you out of it. If it's financial, he's got a plan to get you out. If you're being challenged in your body, God's got a plan to get you out. If he's challenging your mind, God's got a plan to get you out. In fact, let me remind you, you're in his plan right now. He is executing his plan right now. I'm talking about at 1048 on a Sunday morning. He is executing his plan in your life right now. Despite what you've been through, despite your challenges, he is executing the plan in your life right now. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one true God, has made a promise to those who strive to remain in right standing with him. Those desiring to live live a life that pleases God. He promises that all the righteous people will face many afflictions, but he promised to deliver us out of them all. Many of us know God to be faithful to his promise. Why? Because he delivered you last year, the year before that, and the year before that. In fact, he delivered you last week. Some of us, he delivered us this morning. God is a deliverer. If you think back over your mind and think about all the things that God has delivered you from, and, and, and let's be honest, we probably didn't deserve to be delivered from most of them, but God loved us enough and had grace and mercy on our lives And he said, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you despite your unbelief. I'm going to deliver you despite the fact you didn't pray like you said you were. I'm going to deliver you the fact you didn't study like you said you were. God is faithful to his promise. Not because we say so, but because he says so. We're eyewitness to the manifested promise of God. How many can say, is that your, that's my testimony. God has delivered us out of every situation. In fact, can I see just one hand if God delivered you out of anything these past couple of weeks, couple of days, last hour, few hours, God is still in the delivering business. At times we may find some of our situations are a direct result of our actions, our thinking, and our talking. We said things we should not have said. We did things we should not have done. We chose not to obey God's voice, but to obey what we wanted to do or what our friends or our boo told us to do. We allowed our flesh to have more influence than our spirit man. Rather than follow God's instructions, we decide to do things our way. And it's during those times when it appears that opposition tries to overwhelm us. It feels like the enemy is trying to cause fear, anxiety, and frustration to get the best of us. Thoughts of oppression and depression may enter your mind. Thoughts like, I'm giving up. It's too hard for me. You know what? I'm out of here. We're no longer Christ-minded, but operating in a carnal mindset, depressed mindset, maybe even a rebellious mindset. The children of Israel found themselves in a very similar situation. They were in a mess, but largely their actions opened the door to the situation that they were in. How many times have our own actions opened unnecessary doors of hardship, 
challenges and difficult times in our lives. God was trying to bless us, increase us, cause us to grow and mature. Yet because of our own actions, we gave the blessings away or refused to do what was needed to develop so that we could maintain the blessing. We know that better is here and better is coming, yet some of us have traded off our better to please people or to please our fleshly or carnal desires. It's those times we need a, we need a victory over the enemy and the enemy, but we, but we need a guaranteed victory. One that says that whatever happens in my life, God is going to get me over and give me the victory. My enemy can at times be one of my greatest opponents because I, I make choices to obey or disobey. I can make choices to apply God's word that I hear week in and week out, week out, or I can do like I've always done and get the results I've always gotten. For example, I'm getting instructions to mature and becoming more Christ-minded, yet I still want to have the same attitude that I always have. I'm getting more instructions to mature in my giving. If I sow sparingly, I reap sparingly, yet I still give at the same level, but I expect a different result. <clears throat> am, I, am I getting, I'm getting instructions to forgive and show mercy and walk humbly, yet I want to hold grudges, stir drama, and do what I want to do. When I want to do it. In other words, God's voice is speaking, but the question is, am I obeying? As we unpack this text, I want us to look at the mindset and the way of thinking that the children of Israel had. We also will see what God allowed to be released in their lives and the harm and destruction that it caused them. So, and that. As we look at our main text, Judges 6 and 16, and the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. We're going to look at Judges and spend time in Judges chapter 6 to gain more insight into what led up to this conversation that God is giving Gideon. And one thing I kind of like about this text, and the more I look at it, when he told, when he spoke this into Gideon's life, Gideon was not at a place which you will consider him to be the mighty man that he turned out to be. And I love that about God because God sees something in us that we don't quite see in ourselves. And he says, you know what? I see you as an overcomer, even though you're dealing with the challenges that come your way. I see you as healed, even though you're going to the doctor week in and week out. I see you with financial breakthrough, yet and you're dealing with a checkbook balance that doesn't look like it needs to look. In other words, he calls those things as not as though they were. And that's the God that we serve. So let's start off in Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the children of Israel did, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Then the children of Israel did. They acted and produced what? Evil. 
Evil is that which displeases God. It's wicked and hurtful things. And he did it in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them or granted or permitted them to be in the hand of Midian for seven years. Now, first of all, when we say that the children of Israel did evil, we need to understand it's evil in the eyes of God. If God says it's evil, then it is evil. Well, Pastor, that don't seem too bad to me. We're not asking your opinion about it. When God says it's evil, it is evil. And that's it. If God don't say it's evil, it's not evil. But if God says it's evil, then it is evil. When the children of Israel, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. One thing you need to understand, it wasn't just one event. It was they practiced evil. They kept doing evil things and they kept doing it over and over again. And they would not repent. Would not ask God to forgive them. They, listen, knew they were doing wrong and then would not stop doing what they did. In fact, the book of Judges is full of these type of examples. Now, we see in this verse that the children of Israel did and we also see what the Lord did. No doubt they were acting evil and doing hurtful and twisted things. And they probably had no idea that the same thing would come back on them in even a worse matter. When we say they did evil, they acted and produced evil. If I'm acting and producing something, it suggests it is an ongoing action. And for, I'm doing it time and time again. I do some evil, I don't repent. I do some evil, I don't repent. I do some evil, I don't repent. I'm just doing it over and over and over again. Not changing my behavior when the Spirit of God is urging me to change my behavior. And if I'm acting and producing something, it suggests it's an ongoing action. It suggests I have purpose in my heart to do a particular thing, regardless if it's twisted, hurtful, or displeasing to God. Now, this is the key. It's displeased God. It might not have hurt anybody else, but it displeased God. And that's what we need to understand. Do my actions please God. Do my actions please God. Yeah, I can, I can make you happy, but do my actions please God. Do my actions please God because this is the person who got upset with him. And this is the person who turned them over into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. Seven years. Seven times 365 days. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wake up, midnight nights in your midst. Go to sleep, midnight nights in your midst. Two, three, four o'clock in the morning, midnight nights in your midst. Why? Because you will not repent. Because you will not repent. It also, this particular text also suggests that repentance and change for the better is not on my mind. Thus, thus the children of Israel, they had gotten to the point that doing evil was a part of who they were. And they would not repent. They were practicing and displeasing God to the point he had to intervene. 
And the Lord simply allowed to, them to be released to the Midianites for seven years. Boy, I tell you what, man. This, this blows my mind, boy. And, but I know people like this, though. I know, people, I, I know people that know, or excuse me, they should know they're wrong. In my mind, they know they're wrong, but will not repent. Will not repent. In fact, you're going to find out one of the characteristics of Satan is this, that he would not repent. We won't. We won't repent. Mm. That's why it's important to keep a pure heart before God. I don't, ever want, I don't ever want God to say, Dobbs, OCC, the evil in my sight. And I'm granting permission for the Midianites to take control for seven years. Some of y'all said, Pastor Dobbs, I'm handing in my letter of resignation. I'm out of here, man. Seven years. But see, this, that won't stop it, though. You could leave and go to someone else, but that will follow you. Why? Because you have not repented yet. You have not repented yet. When God released them over to the Midianites, I believe that he wanted them to see how much power they did not have in their own might to gain victory. Notice Judges chapter 6 and verse 2. Judges chapter 6 and verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains and the hand figuratively the strength and the power of Midian they prevail or prevailed against Israel when I mean prevail they were made firm against Israel why because the Midianites because of the Midianites the children of Israel made for themselves the dens the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains. Can you imagine you won't repent, but now you run up to the mountains, make yourself a cave, make yourself a den, and this is where you live at now? Because you, you left your own house, and you're going up in the cave, and this is where you're living at now. You're living up in a den and a cave up in the mountain because you will not get right with God. You left your own house, left your big screen TV, left your comfortable bed, left your car, and going up here and living in the mountain because you will not get right with God. I would rather leave my possessions than to ask God to get me right. Boy, isn't it sad when somebody had gotten that stubborn in their heart and they will not get things right? You know, one thing I had to think about for a moment I wanted it to take them seven years to repent. Seven years to repent. That's a long time for me. I've been trying to repent as soon as I know I messed up. That's me. I don't know about you. But I just learned over the years it's not worth me going through all that anguish when I can say, God, please have mercy upon my soul. That's just me. I don't know about you. Now, let's talk about Midianites for a moment. The Midianites were the son of Abraham by Keturah. The name of Midian means strife. Midian is the place that Moses went when he fled from Pharaoh. Remember when, Mer when uh, Moses got in a fight with that man and, and then they called him on it. One of the, the guards called him on it and then Pharaoh, excuse me, Moses left and went into the desert. He went over to Midian. Now, if a name reveals the nature of a person, Midian means strife. I don't want God to grant anyone who named me strife permission to prevail 
over me. Sometimes people in relationship, you wonder why they're still in that relationship. Sometimes they haven't repented yet. That could be one reason. And now they're in a relationship with somebody that name means strife. Somebody who's synonymous with being angry and bitter and conflicted and disagreeable all the time about basic things, got discord and chaos going on. You like they they always connect with that person, got that chaos and that and that anger and that all that going on in their life. Why don't they break loose from them? Could it be they have not repented? Could it be they haven't asked God to forgive them? Because sometimes when you ask God to forgive you, He'll say, "Hey, just just separate yourself from person A, and then your strife and your confusion will be gone." Let me say some quick story, right quick. There was a man who was running from God. He was running and he jumped into uh, the water. Excuse me, now he jumped into the boat because God told him to go do something. He said, I ain't going to preach to these folks. These folks are, he has opinion about them. And so he said, you know, I'm going to go inside. He got in the boat. He went sleep in the boat. And they like the folks that cause strife and confusion will sleep on you. They got all kinds of peace that passes all understanding, at least in their mind. They go to sleep on you, and then the storm keep running, running, running against the boat. And the storm kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. Like, why this storm? This is an unusual storm. You know why it's unusual? The person that was asleep. The per- that, and then sometimes people act like they got peace, but they're the reason that the storm is coming up in your life. Mm, mm-mm. And so, after a while, they found out it was Jonah in that boat. And, yeah, I'm the reason. I'm the reason. I'm the, I'm the reason this storm hitting your boat like this. I'm the reason they're about to tear up your boat. You can't hardly get out of it. And you know what they did? Threw him overboard. When they threw him overboard, everything got calm. Sometimes you have to throw some people overboard. I know that kind of, that's a harsh right there. But sometimes you got to throw people overboard so in turn, you can have peace in your life. All right, let, let me move on because some of y'all got a little quiet right there. Let's, let's keep going. Yet because of the children of Israel's disobedience, God has granted these people permission to prevail or have strength over them. It's going to take a guaranteed victory to get free from these Midianites. Now, let's go to Judges, back to Judges chapter 6, verse 3, 4, and 5. Judges chapter 6, verse 3, 4, and 5. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. You know, I think about this particular situation. They had gotten themselves in that every time they tried to grow some food, here they come, grabbing their food. Remind me of those individuals that robbed God of his money. You know the people that robbed God of their money? I, I will, listen, that devourer will come and take the very thing that you're trying to produce. 
that devour. That's robbing God of his money. Same type of principle right here. Every time they tried to grow some, they would come up and they would grab the things they tried to go. Now, you know they had to be hungry. Because every time they, they, could, every time they had something, these individuals, the Midianites, would come and take what they had. Couldn't grow nothing, couldn't do anything, because they came and grabbed what they had. Can you imagine every time you got a check, some come grab everything you got? Can you imagine every time you got a, 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 you know, you got a little bonus coming up? Oh, I got a little bonus coming up. But as soon as you get the bonus, it's already spent before you get it. Y'all remember them days, do you? I know you look know, it's a long time ago now. Them days are old now. Them days, I ain't going back to them days no more, Pastor Dodd. No, I ain't going back to them days no more. Listen, by the time I get the money, spent two checks before. Y'all know about them spending two checks before. I'm talking about you can pay bi-weekly, and here it is. You two checks behind because of this. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Am I right? Notice what's happened to the children of Israel as a result of being turned over to the Midianites. The hand of God released them to the Midianites. Why? Because they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Woo. The Israelites had allowed their evil mindset before God changed the direct, excuse me, trajectory of their lives. Their e-twisted and wicked mindset, the way they thought, their talking, and their action before God changed the trajectory, the path of the course of their lives. We have to be careful not to allow evil, a mind, an evil mindset before God to change our season of better to a season of worse. Better is here and better is coming, but we can hinder our season of better with twisted, wicked, and hurtful thinking, as well as twisted talking and ungodly actions. Notice how things changed for the children of Israel, for God's people, in verse 6. Judges 6 and verse 6. So Israel was... Say change, but how bad it was. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Let me tell you something. We can look at this, but we'll never get a grasp of how bad it was for them. This was an awful situation they got themselves in. And, and notice, it was not just a week or two. This was for seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Every time you grow something, boom, enemy come get it. Seven years. You probably couldn't have no cows, no meat, or anything. You tell me, well, I'm going with this Daniel fast. You're going to want them for real. <laughs> Why? Because of their actions. Because of their actions. But something happened here. Sometimes you get tired. Of being sick and tired. At least you should anyway. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They cried out. They called for help. They called for aid. But those who they called to, they called to the Lord. They called to the Lord. You can see in the text how being greatly impoverished would change a person's attitude. Now think about this. They were, they were greatly impoverished. They were not just a regular impoverished. 
but they were exceedingly impoverished. They were in distress. They became weak because of their situation. They were brought to a low place. And, and I'm still, I'm, 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 you know, I'm still thinking about this. But why seven years, Lord? Why does it take seven years to get to the point that we're going to say, God, have mercy upon my soul? Why does it take seven years to say, God, you know what? I messed up. I did it wrong. But, like you said, some people are going to be like that. We can see in the text how being greatly impoverished changed a person's attitude, mindset, and such like. It may take seven years to get our lives together and repent. At least I hope not. But some of us can be strong-willed and resistant to God's word. We can hear, understand, and know truth, but yet decide to continue to do things our way. For some of us, it takes time with some media nights to help us clear our thinking. You know, uh, God can allow you to go through some stuff. And you're like, okay, God. You know, God, one thing about God, you don't really realize how much God protects you until you've been in a situation where he said he takes his hand of protection back from you. And he got to take a, a lot of it back, just a little bit back, can cause you to go through some stuff you had no idea you were being protected from. No idea. You think you're doing good because of your status or whatever, but you don't realize the grace of God that operates in your life every day. Every day. You working, you think you're doing good. Now, the grace of God keeping you. You think everybody like you. The grace of God got you shielded. You think everybody think you're the best thing since sliced bread, but the grace of God is keeping you. You think that your car running good because you do uh, maintenance on it well. The grace of God is keeping you. You know your car ain't that good. It's man-made. Man-made. Y'all know it's man-made, right? Well, y'all know what happens with man-made stuff, don't you? It's the grace of God that keeps you. It's the grace of God. Don't never run around here thinking, well, you know what? I do all the good stuff and all. No, no. It's the grace of God. And all he got to do is pull that back. Not a whole bunch, but just a little bit. You realize that's how much God is keeping you. So we don't take God's grace and his mercy for granted. Because that's what's keeping us. Keeping our children, keeping our home. You got that nice home. You walk in that home, boy, and that home is just nice. It don't take but one incident. It's the grace of God. 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 Thank God for your freezer. But it's the grace of God to keep that freezer going. Y'all ain't never left the door open before. Power never went out before. And you're like, Lord, would the power come back on for my food go bad? It's the grace of God. Grace of God. See, sometimes we get so caught up in the big stuff, we forget about the everyday things that God does for us. Just be able to ride up and down the road. Just to be able to do things we do every day. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Now, we don't want time with the Midianites. 
We don't want times with the Midianites, the oppressors, those that cause stress in our life. This is, this is what you got to understand. I got enough things in my life that, that try to cause oppression and stress. I don't need more things in my life. Tell your neighbor, I don't need more things in my life. Tell you, I got enough right now. Tell I'm ready to get rid of some of this right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Wait, you know what you got to do? Cast your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Cast your cares upon him. For he cares for you. One thing I want to say to all of us in the sanctuary, we got to learn how to repent quickly. Repent quickly. Repent quickly. Keep a heart that says, I missed the mark and I want to do better and be better. So the children of Israel in this situation, the Midianites are prevailing against them. They cried out a call for help from the Lord. A cry to God many times is, is a, sign of, uh, a sign of conviction as well as repentance. We sincerely cry to the Lord. It says that we're looking to him for help. In this situation, Israel didn't need a chance victory. They need a guaranteed victory. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a guaranteed victory? I need my bills paid. I need my body healed. I need to be delivered. I need a guaranteed victory. Yet before they received the guaranteed victory, they needed a mindset, a change of heart, a repentant heart, a heart that says, I want to do right, God. See, a proudful heart would not change quickly, but a humble heart will change like it needs to. An arrogant person will, uh, will adjust, excuse me, an arrogant person will say, you know, I'm all right the way I am. But a person that says, hey, when they cry to the Lord, I need your help, God, I want to change. I want to do what's right. And knows how just and merciful and faithful our God is. Now, I don't know the time between verse 7 and verse 8, but we do know this in verse 8. And the Lord sent a prophet. He sent a prophet. He calls a particular prophet, a man or woman of God, a servant of God to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I bought you from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. Woo! Reminding them, hey, I bought you out of Egypt. I bought you out of Pharaoh. Listen, I bought you out of drinking. I brought you out of lying. I bought you out of unforgiveness. I bought you out of oppression and depression. I bought you out before I can bring you out again. Don't you let it about God. There's not a problem God can't deliver you from. Not one he can't deliver you from. He knows how to do it. Go to verse 9. And I deliver you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Ooh, isn't that God? God, hey, I did this before. I drove these people out and, you, and the very land that you own right now. I drove the people out before you, and I gave you this land. Sometimes we, we, we just need to remember what God has done for us. Remember what God has done for us. Oh, yeah, you remember? Yeah, I remember God. Because sometimes we forget. I've been guilty of it. I've been, oh, God, you did that for me. 27 years, it's hard for me to say, God, you ain't been good to us. It's hard for me to say, God has not been good to us because he has kept us 
be 27 years. Kept us during COVID, kept us during uh, low church membership, kept us with low money, kept us during times of this, that, and the other, and he still has us here. 27 years later. Kept us, amen, when we was over at 132 East Wilson Street, he kept us then. Now he's keeping us over here on South Van Worth Road. And you know what? That same God that kept us over there, it's the same God can keep us here and continue to prosper us. In verse 10, and I, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose, in whose land you dwell, and, but you have not obeyed my voice. You, hey, let's not forget, I bought you out and you almost forgot what I told, what I bought you from. You did not obey or put into action what I told you. Now, notice that God is preparing a way of escape for the children of Israel. His name is Gideon. But before the Lord delivers him, he tells them the reason that the reason that they are there. We must remember that our God is all-knowing and sees all things. He understands our actions. He understands our mindset. He understands what we should be doing in our lives. Let me give you a quick scripture. I'm going to read it to you. Psalms 139, verse 1 through 4. Psalms 139, verse 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my fault afar all. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it together. In other words, God knows everything about us. He understands. He understood the children of Israel. He knew why they was in that situation. And he knew what the Mennonites were going to be doing. He also knew what the children of Israel were going to be doing. He also knew that he had an answer. And the prophet said, hey, hey, I know what I, I brought you out of before. I know what I brought you out of before. Now, we also see in Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, and the angel of the Lord came and sat on the terrible tree, which is an Oprah, which belonged to Joaz, the, the Aborites, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want you to notice that the answer to what they were looking for, that God had it in their midst the whole time. Many times we don't really understand that many times a lot of our answers are already with us, but yet it's got to be activated by the word of God. It's got to be activated. It's got to be activated by the word of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. He's beside you, you mighty 
strong, brave man of valor, full of strength, full of force, full of ability, and full of wealth. The same man that was hiding to make sure his family had food, that built caves on the side of the mountain. God speaks to this man, you are a mighty man of valor. Was God lying? Of course not. God was not lying. God knew exactly who he was talking to. A strong and courageous man, a man of strength, ability, as well as wealth. A wealthy man in the midst of impoverished circumstance. Because remember, they had just been tortured for seven years. Seven years. And Gideon had been tortured as well for seven years. And now God looks at him and says, hey, you mighty man of God look at you and say, hey, look at my mighty woman of valor. Look at my mighty man of valor. Look at the person that I've got, somebody with strength, force, ability, and wealth. When God says that you are a mighty man or woman of valor, hey, tell your neighbor, I am who God says that I am. Even though you may not feel like it. Even though you may be impoverished, even though you may be tortured, even though you may be going through your job, at your school, at your workplace, in your business, you may be going through, and with God to speak to you, hey, millionaire, and you look at your bank account, multi-millionaire, and you look at your bank account, your body healed, and you feel all that pain going through your body. You're going through mentally. You're thinking right, talking right, and acting right. God does not call you from where you're at. He calls those things that be not as though they were. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what's in you better than you know what's in you. Isn't it good to know God knows what's in me? Remember Isaiah 55, 11? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, not empty, not without effect, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. God stands on his word. If God tell you something, he mean what he said and he said what he mean. And he don't care about your circumstances. He don't care if you're building a case on the side of a mountain. God knows what he has for your life. Woo, thank God he knows what's in me. You can be driving a car that barely will get around. And he'll say, hey, you know, you finna drive a nice car not many days from now. And not only that, you ain't gonna have about two payments on it too. Ain't gonna be a 2024. Two payments with a 2024? I, I can't quite understand that. You ain't supposed to understand that. You're supposed to believe what God said. I'm finna have my house. I'm finna get me a house, a nice house. Hey, why? Because God told me he was. God knows what he's doing, how he's doing it, and how we're going to do it too. This is what we have to be. We have to believe what he's saying. And one thing I thought about this, each Sunday and Wednesday when we hear his word, it's preparing us and producing in us and, and, and affecting us in ways that are going to make us better. Because God sent his word to prosper us. He sent his word to heal us. Woo! That's why if I'm the devil, I'm going to fight you getting the word. Notice how the word activated Gideon. So if I'm going to stop the activation happening in your life, I'm going to fight the word in your life. Because you might start believing what God said. You might start acting on what God said. 
You might start thinking that what God, what God said in your life is going to come to pass. You might start thinking about this. That's for, I'm going to try to cause you to get sleepy right at the right moment. Woo! Head going to start nodding left. Woo! He's going to make a good point in just a minute. That mighty man of valor, before he get there, I'm going to try to get him now. I'm going to try to cause you to think about an argument you had earlier. I'm going to try to get you to think about what you're going to eat after service because your stomach start growling. I'm going to cause a message, a notification to pop up on your phone. And, you know, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. And you look at it, ain't no real, no good news anyway. Just some, mm-hmm. Somebody going to text you about, hey, I need for you to do this. Why did it text me? At the right, at the time that they were going to text you. And because the enemy knows that the word gives you a guaranteed victory. And so the enemy also said, I'm going to try to stop what God is doing in your life. I know God prepared you to be that anointed singer, that anointed musician, that anointed preacher, that teacher, helps team, intercessor, business owner, giver, helps worker, youth leader, all A student, witnessing team, deacon, and so forth. God's preparing it, and that word is activating it. But if you don't get the word, you'll miss the activation. And, and then, listen, it'll be delayed because you say, hey, I was distracted by something that really was not that important. Really wasn't that important. Woo. Mm. Don't want to miss out on God's word. Tell somebody, I don't want to miss out on God's word. Tell them, I don't want to miss out on my activation process. Tell me, he's activating the millionaire. He's activating my body being healed. He's activating the sound mind. He's activating greatness in me. This is what God does for his people. He's activating stuff in their life. Then in verse 13, Gideon said, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying, but did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken or abandoned us and delivered or appointed us to the hand of the Midianites. At times when they go through trials and tribulations, feel like the Lord has abandoned you. Woo! You live long enough to feel like the Lord has abandoned you. You try to quote that scripture, Lord, I never leave you nor forsake you, but you, you felt like he left you and forsaked you. This is what Gideon was saying here. Hey, you feel like you left us, Lord. You telling me I'm a mighty man of valor, and here he is, you feel like you've, you've forsaken me? You abandoned me? You telling me you're going to deliver me, God? You telling me you're going to give me my promotion, God? You telling me you're going to give me this, that, and the other, but you felt like you abandoned me? Oh. But notice something about this. At times... You got to think about everything they were going through, everything they were dealing with. The Midianites couldn't probably hungry because all the food was being consumed by the Midianites. But yet God had Gideon hid in the midst of everything they were going through. 
What do you mean by that, Pastor? How many times has God hidden you in the midst of trouble? How many times has God hidden you in a single parent home? How many people have God hidden in poverty? How many people have God hidden in being rich? How many people have God hidden with the trouble in school? How many people have God hidden with those who make all A's? Hiding, but when they got that word, it activated something. It activated. You're going through trouble. You wonder, why am I going through everything I'm going through? But then a word comes from God, and here you are now. Here you are, get ready to receive your heart's desire. Get ready to walk in the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How many times has God said, said and did things in your life and you felt like, I didn't deserve it? Ooh, God knows what he's doing, don't he? Judges 6 and 14. Then the Lord turned him and said, go in this might. In this power, in this wealth, in this superhuman strength of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Ooh-wee. This is a man that was hiding on, in a mountain. Hiding. Build, listen, not just him, but all the people were hiding from the Midianites. And now God said, you're going to save getting, you're going to save these people. You're going to save these people. You're going to save these people. Get in. Oh God. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest. And I am the least in my father's house. How can God use me when I'm not the strongest prayer? I'm not the most anointed individual. Listen, in my household, I'm the weakest. I am the weakest. Let me say this to you. It was not a surprise to God who Gideon was. You know, God knew exactly who Gideon was before he chose him. God knows who you are before he chooses you. He also knows your weaknesses better than you do. And he still chooses you. Isn't it good to know God knows your weakness and he still chooses you? Woo! So you, you bring an argument like that before God, telling me I'm the weakest and weakest and the least in my father's house he like I still chose you I still chose you I chose you for this guaranteed victory well pastor I don't pray like I need to pray repent and start praying I don't study scripture like I need to repent and start studying I don't give like I need to, repent and start giving. I don't do what I need to do, repent and start doing it. Because why? Now you're a mighty man, a woman of valor. You're strong. You're mighty. And, and, and goes on in verse 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. 
Gideon, who was building, who was who, Gideon, who was living on top of the mountain, hiding from the Midianites. Now he says, "Now I'm going to use you, Gideon, to save Israel." How many times have God says, "I'm going to use you despite your weaknesses." Pastor, I don't talk like I need to talk. Come on, Moses. Come on, Moses. Come on, Moses. I don't do like I need to do. Come on. Whatever you got, God already knows before he chose you. You think God is sitting around here thinking, well, you know what? Before I choose brother A or sister B, I need to make sure they got this, that, and the other. God knows what he got, what you got when he chose you. He knows what he got when he chose you. My question is, after he chose me, am I doing what he told me to do? Am I doing what I told me? Because to? sometimes people try to make up. I can say make up. They probably are legitimate reasons why you shouldn't do this, that, and the other. But God never asked Gideon. He chose Gideon before he even. Oh, look, y'all missed that. Catch what I'm saying there. Because you try to bring something to me like, Pastor Dobbs, I can't do this, that, and the other because of whatever reason that you're going to give me. Do you know that God many times will choose you before and know every weakness you got? I know for 27 years of ministry, God knows every weakness Pastor Donald's got. Every weakness. Every weakness and then some. And I say, God, why you choose me? You could have got, you, you can get anybody better to do and take this ministry to the next level. And you know what? He has not changed his mind yet in 27 years. Look how y'all looking at him. Pastor, you asked God to change his mind? Yes, I did. And you know what? He's still looking at me. I mean, one time, I'm tell you, can I tell you this quick story. Don't, don't, don't get mad when I say this quick story. I'm going to tell you this quick one. I went to Bishop with that. I said, Bishop, you got to get somebody else. He said, did God say get somebody else? That, was in that, that conversation was over with. <laughs> you follow me? And you think if God will choose me and know my weaknesses, he won't choose you? He won't choose you to sing, to be a deacon, to minister, to lead, to witness, to do whatever. He won't choose you. Well, Pastor, I I got all this going on in my life. I got this, that, and the other going. Your schedule is a secret to God, huh? (laughs) You know everything you got going. Yeah, I know. I got to work, Pastor. I got to do this. I got to do that. That's a secret to God. Oh, please. You be like what God told me. Because he don't change his mind. When he chooses, he knows exactly who he's choosing. And when he chooses you, he says, I'll be with you. Woo! You know what's significant about that? If he's with you, when, when they went and fought the Midianites later on, that means they had to defeat God Just like they had to defeat Gideon. Because if you with me, let's say God is with me, you got to defeat both of us. Y'all see that right there? And many times, you, you're trying to fight a battle, and you got God with you. God don't lose no battles, y'all. If he lose, he's lose, <laughs> he pretending like he losing. Because <laughs> he going to win when it's all said and done. That's why he said all things work together for my good because we love God and we're called according to his purpose. Every time you look like you're losing with God, you're winning. Good. 
every time your bank account look a little low, you still winning. Every time you've been challenging your body, you're still winning. Every time you look like you're getting overcome, you're an overcomer. You're overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I've seen God for 27 years keep us and give us what is spoken about in the text. He says, I'll be with you. He says, I'll be with you. And you shall defeat. Notice that word he uses there. You shall defeat. I like this definition. Attack and destroy and conquer the Midianites as one man. Who is the one man? You and God. You and the ministry and God. When we come together as one, Team Jesus, we're going to defeat the Midianites. We're going to defeat the Amalekites. We're going to defeat poverty. We're going to defeat sickness. We're going to defeat, defeat low self-esteem. We're going to defeat anything that comes against what God's purpose is for our lives. As one man. Guaranteed victory. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.